feedback. All right, uh, hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, wonderful to be back in the house. Yeah, we missed you guys too. Um, I feel like we've been gone for a long time for some reason. Um, I guess, oh, I guess it's been a week, all right? Uh, but we had a great time in Arizona uh, for the marriage retreat. And we'll talk a, a little bit about that on, uh, you turn me up a little bit more, please. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit about that on Sunday. Let's get into uh, what we're going to talk about today. It's a new message uh, titled Storm Proof. Storm Proof. Right, let's go to first, Psalm 1. All right, we'll, Psalm 1, we'll start here at verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. All right, so, so you know, we read that passage a lot, right? Um, but I wanted to lock in on verse 3. It says, but he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth fruit in his season. And then I, I also think about, uh, it's a little audible scripture, but I think about, um, Psalm ninety-two, thirteen. This is they to be planted in the house of the Lord shall be flourished in our courts. So when I think about being storm-proof, I think about being so anchored and planted, the winds and storms can come because that that tree is planted, and it says that he. It, it says says that he uh, uh, when the, when those as he's growing, could you not make noise or please? All right. So as those, uh, uh, as it's growing to, to produce fruit, think about it. It has to go through some storms. There, there's some ugly, like the weather's not always perfect as you grow, right? And what it's saying, that, that, that tree is anchored. And so, so I was thinking about uh, uh, palm trees. And so, you know, you watch the, the, the different, whether it's the news or, or if you've ever been in a hurricane, hopefully you haven't, <laughs> um, and you see the palm trees are swaying, but the, you don't see a bunch of palm trees just being pulled up out of the ground. Now, the interesting thing, if you notice, they're bending, but they're not breaking. In the midst of a storm, they're bending, but they're not breaking. So, in other words, when the storm comes at them, they're, they're going with the storm. They're not necessarily trying to be rigid. They're going with the storm or they're using the storm to their advantage. Um, now, you ask yourself, well, why do other trees get uprooted but the palm trees don't? Well, the palm trees are, are they're, they're, they're wet on the inside. They're saturated on the inside, and it makes it easier for them to go bend or go with the flow of the storm, right? And so if you think about it, even a palm tree, if, if, if they don't, if they're not rooted, right? If they're not rooted, because you get the saturation from your roots, right? And so the other thing they do is they, they have many roots where you would see the surface and those roots draw in soil and they draw in the, the nutrients so they can be saturated but also anchored. Saturated by anchor, and so, um, so I think about when I look at our lives, and I and and if we're saturated, we can go with the flow. But if we're uh, if we don't have all that we need, if we're not filled with the fullness of God, you know, we can easily be broken in the midst of a storm, right? Because we're so rigid, we can easily be broken. Let's look here at Matthew seven twenty four through twenty nine. 
Matthew 7, 24 through 29. And I, I'm going to read it. Uh, it says this, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, a solid foundation. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened. No, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So it's saying here that there's, a, there's individuals that are wise. And a wise person takes the time. We're going to talk about how to elevate uh, behind the scenes on Sunday, but takes their time to develop foundation first. One of the things uh, uh, when you uh, pioneer plan a church, some of the things that challenges is the patience to develop foundation. So as you're being patient to develop foundation, you have people that hover around that are antsy. You know, they're, they're jumping to do. We do that in our life, right? We jump to do things, but we don't have the foundation to handle it. We jump to do things, we don't have the character to handle it. We jump to do things, we don't have the insight and the wisdom to handle it, right? We jump to do things, we don't even have the faith to handle it, right? Um, because we don't think foundation first. Uh, but the Lord has shown me and my wife over the years that uh, no matter how funky it looks, no matter how sometimes you're going to miss things, sometimes you're not going to have things in place, sometimes things aren't going to be ready to go, but, you, but that's okay because you're taking care of that foundation. You know, so you just take, just keep building that foundation. And once you solidify that foundation, because you notice something, if you ever built a, a new house, which I know you guys uh, recently built a new house, while they're building a foundation, everything else doesn't just stop. The weather don't change. Like, like the, you know, sometimes you come by, it's muddy. <laughs> you know, you, you know, you knowing Stella, she'd be like, they're messing up my wood. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, baby, how this wood going to work now? It's getting wet. They need to cover it up, <laughs> right? Right. But no matter what, they're allowing it to look ugly while they build the foundation. Right? They're allowing some things not to be in place. Sometimes you go by and something that they put up is blown down. Right? But they got to allow that because we ain't finished with the foundation yet. There's certain things that we can't do, right? But it says that foolish person or is a person that builds their house on sand. Now, why would you build a house on sand? Because I'm in a rush. <laughs> like, I'm in a rush. You know, it's cool. I'm not considering the whole, right? I'm not considering the elevation that's going to need this foundation. See, elevation needs foundation. I'm not considering that. I'm just, I just want to do it. And so that person actually builds, but when the, the, it, says, it says, when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house, when that storm came, not only did it fall, it says great was the fall of it. It says great was the fall of it. So when we skip things, um, storms can have a greater effect. Building a foundation helps us to be storm-proof. Isaiah 43.2. Isaiah 43.2. Thank you, Lord. So look at this. It says, uh, it says, I'll give you a minute to get there, but it says, when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flames kindle upon thee. So God is saying, so number one, we got to build a foundation to be stormproof. But number two, we got to be in God's presence. Nothing that comes at us, rains, winds, storms, flames, wildfires, we're, we're unstoppable in God's presence. Let's go to Matthew 8. Matthew 8. Matthew 8. 
I saw I'm, I'm establishing a foundation, and you notice it said that that person that established the foundation built their house upon what? A rock, right? And so we know Jesus is the rock, right? And so we know when we with him, that's when the storms can't affect us the same way. We have to take the time to solidify our relationship with God. So Matthew 8, 24 through 27, that's where I told you to go, right? Did I tell you that already? Oh, I'm sorry, 24 through 27. And it says this, it says, Behold, there, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? It says, then he arose and rebuked the winds and the seas, and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this, that even the, the winds and the sea obey him? So if I'm establishing this foundation, I'm establishing this foundation upon a rock, and I'm locked into God, and I have this core as my foundation, do you understand storms have to obey you? And you understand when they show up, they show up to place a demand on your power within. We think storms, when we're not solid in God, we think storms are there to crush us. No, storms are just there for exercise. <laughs> They're just there for exercise. I know, I know as I've grown and, you know, as I was going through basketball, when I was, when I was younger, you know, around, around my friends, you know, you, you know, you got your boys you hang with. You know, I was pretty, you know, definitely pretty good around them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you got a limited... <laughs> You just got to master these two people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I was pretty good around them. Then I decided because I was doing well in my community that I wanted to play for the team. But when I first started trying out for the team, there's so much I didn't know. You know, because I didn't have a big brother around. I was with foster parents. They were grandparents. And so when I first went out, man, I, listen, we had this play. You had, to, you, had to, you had to go inside. And then they throw you the ball, but you had to turn around and shoot. I, I didn't want to turn around. <laughs> this is big guys behind me. <laughs> like, like I, I would be like this. This guy behind me, right? I'm supposed to turn around and shoot. I just throw the ball up, you know what I'm saying? Because it, it was just new, you know. Uh, then I would go into the neighborhood in the hood and I would play. Sometimes I did decent. I might make two shots, you know. You know. Uh, but most of the time with, with the pressure, you know, I wasn't making no shots. They get me off the court. Um, so I could have quit, but I decided that, uh, okay, I'm going to have to get better because if I don't get better, they're not going to let me play. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and, but as I started to get better, now I looked at competition different. See, before, I would be hoping the competition wouldn't show up. <laughs> but now when I got better, I needed the competition to gauge where am I. Remember when I was going to a pro tryout, I decided to go back home to Newark, New Jersey to play in the neighborhood because I, I, mean, I was playing in New York, I was playing in all these different places, and I was, you know, respectfully, at that particular time, it appeared that I was unstoppable. Like, like I just was doing what I wanted to do. I said, man, that ain't, that ain't no real test. The real test is I gotta go back to the hood. I gotta go back to uh, Chancellor Annex and on, on Chancellor Avenue across from Week Wake High School in Newark, New Jersey, and really test out and see what I'm good. Now, I was going, looking for a test. So basically, I was looking for a storm to see, am I anchored? Can I handle the pressure? See, I saw it different. You know, why? Because I was trained. I had practice. I had trained myself, um, not just uh, uh, skill-wise, but to be in God's presence. I had worked to be in God's presence. And so, 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 I, so I, I wasn't operating off of fear. I was operating off of faith, right? So Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 
I've got quite a few scriptures, so I'm, I'm going I'm to pick it up a little bit, you know. So at least write the scriptures down, okay? The next one is Isaiah 4, 6. <laughs> so, yeah, he at least got one in advance, okay? Isaiah 41, 10. It says, fear thou not, for I am with thee, right? Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. It's like, don't worry about whatever storm comes. I'm with you. Uh, Isaiah 4, 6. It says this. Look, it says, there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a covert from storm and from rain. So, you know, it was, uh, was Psalm 91 tells us what to we hide in the tabernacle, right? You know, we stay under his covering of protection. Storms can't come nowhere near us, right? Uh, Psalm 107.29. This is why. God has a certain way he deals with storms. And when we're saturating his presence, we experience how he deals with them too. Psalm 107.29. Psalm 107, verse 29. You can write that down, if you know. Uh, it says, he maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Like, like, so so, so God, we can see, even from being on the water, God, Jesus, everything in God's presence looks at storms differently. So storm, it's similar to the eagle. Remember, the sparrow... If they sense there's winds and rains, they're, they're, they're looking to run and hide. The eagle is looking ahead for storms. It's in, expect, in, in expectation of storms daily because it knows when the storms come, I can use the wind to elevate. So, so the eagles are excited about a storm. A sparrow is running from the storm. But we shall be like eagles, right? Mounted up on wings like eagles. Isaiah 40, right? 29 through 31, right? Well, he says give, he gives power to the faint. Them that have no might, he gives strength. And then it says we shall mount up with wings like eagles, right? So, 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 so we're, we're looking at storms different. And, and again, the Lord is talking, through, talking, this, talking us through this because storms will come. I'm a Christian. I can't believe these storms happening. God, you know, and then we trip like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? God's like, you have little faith. <laughs> He's responding the same way Jesus responded on the boat. Use it to your advantage. Use that wind to elevate to another level is what he's saying. Isaiah 25, 4. It says this, it says, for thou has been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. So in reality, things happen and storms will come. It's, 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 it's just, it's reality. You know, the adversary's hating. Because of the life that we live. John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. I can that you might have life and have more abundantly. So what he's saying is, the thief is going to send a, send a storm in your life to try to steal, kill, and destroy. He's seeking whom he may devour. First Peter 5, 8, right? Right? It says, the scripture says in uh, I mean Genesis 4, 6, and 7, sin is crouching at the door. Like, it's looking for an opportunity, a doorway, a mishap for you to open up so we can jump in. So, again, storms will come. When they happen, we have to know whose we are and how we're equipped. When storms happen, we have to know whose we are and how we are equipped. When storms happen, we have to know who we are 
and how we are equipped. See, number one, we have to understand this. Second Timothy 1.7, God has not given us what? A spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, that's what God has given us. But the world and the devil has tried to uh, pile on to what God gave us because God gave us a clear thinking mind. But when we worry, when we're concerned, we're, we're, we got a lot of noise in our head, that didn't come from God. So if we dig deep into God, we, we, to dig deep into God, you have to shed off all that noise and all those fears. You ever, you ever like, feel good about the things of God and the things that God is doing? You know what I'm saying? Like you're excited, you know, um, and you're learning stuff. And, you know, you go to the restaurant, you talk to somebody, hey, you know, all you got to do is God. You know, you have a, a family member call up, and you're like, hey, hey, let me sit you down a little bit. You know, see, what you want to do is, see, what I did was I just supplied, you know, what God said. You know, you're breaking it down, right? Then a storm comes. Oh, my God, I can't believe well, wait a minute, what happened to the person that was talking to the person about what they need to do? What happened? Well, what changed? The storm shouldn't have changed nothing. The storm just revealed something. Right? The storm revealed where we really are. Right? Does that make sense? See, the, the scripture says this, and these scriptures wouldn't be in the Bible. Fear not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Right? Exodus 14, 13 and 14. And that was when they was at the Red Sea. And, and the army is chasing them, not one person. <laughs> you, know, you know, and all they got is the sea in front of them. So you see, think about that storm coming. An army is chasing, and the only thing in front of you is drowning, the potential of drowning. And then the man of God says, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The army of the debt collectors coming, and the only thing in front of you is drowning in this debt, taking your house, taking your car. The man of God says, fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, you know some people at that, that, at that sea, I've said this for like 15, 20 years, somebody was tempted to run down the shore, as if you know it's down there. <laughs> but the man of God says, fear not, stand still and see. So that means when the storm is chasing you, and, the only, and drowning is only in front of you, you get to see God. There's, a, there's something in you that has to say, let me see how God, what, let, me, let me see the, 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 the hand of God, how he works. How he going to get me out of this one? And that particular because he just opened up the sea. <laughs> but what is opening up the sea for you? What is opening up the sea for you? The scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. You know, we're going to talk about a little bit of that on, um, on uh, Sunday. So our feelings have to be put in place when this happens. Your feelings can't be the lead voice in the midst of a storm. Your feelings got to be put in place. They can't be the lead voice in the midst of a storm. Can't be based on how you feel. Why? Because number one, storms intimidate feelings with fear. See, that's the, that's the only place fear can have an access in your feelings. The spirit is not going to be afraid, <laughs> right? That's, that's what God gave you. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, right? The only, the only access he can have is in your feelings. So he's hoping your feelings is leading your life, not your spirit, man. Because he's trying to, he's going to intimidate your feelings with fear. Fear creates a disturbance in the flesh that communicates an unsettling to your feelings and insecurity. So fear creates a disturbance in your flesh, not in your spirit. It's a disturbance in your flesh that communicates an unsettling in your feelings and insecurity. Insecurity in the flesh 
tells the mind all outside stimulus is an intrusion. So, so if the feelings is the lead voice, the feelings recognize and unsettling gets insecure, speaks to the mind and goes, oh my God, oh my God, right? It speaks to the mind and says, hey, any outside stimulus is an intrusion. But some of the outside sti stimulus is saying, be still and know that I'm God, right? The mind goes into protection mode against all incoming data, whether it's verbal, physical, and unfortunately, even spiritual. So what we have to do is reject the mind's desire to create a wall. See, when storms come, once again, if the feelings is the lead voice, the feelings are saying, oh my God, oh my God. Talks to the mind, the mind goes, it's, it's, it's almost like they call up to the mind and go, hey, we gotta get in protection mode. Shut everything out. You know, close all doors. Batting all the hatches, you know what I'm saying? Lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. Like, you know, we, we had, uh, in corrections, we had what we call man downs. And so we carried these walkie-talkies. So if, if you was ever in a scuffle and you fell, if, if the walkie-talkie tilted any way, then a signal would go off to the operator and they would press a button, man down, man down, man down. And all available extra staff would run to your unit. Well, if you worked in corrections, that's not good. Because what, so, so for everybody in the unit, what that's saying is your unit is out of control. <laughs> right? So, so no, even if somebody doesn't show up, they go, yeah, there's, uh, Auburn Cottage, man, who working today? Uh, Keith working? Man, we didn't have three man downs, right? So what we would do is unclip the man down. So even if we had to restrain somebody, the man down wouldn't go off. <laughs> right? So, so, so this man down is saying, all available help. So that's what happens with your mind. Your mind says, uh, the, the flesh goes, hey, hey, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, shut down everything, any access. Now the tough part is that's the time when you're supposed to be still and know God, hear from God. But you can't get the, the intel in because what? The mind's created a wall. If you notice, a lot of times we stay in storms too long because we reject. You, you ever go for help and you find yourself talking too much? But you showed up for help. It's a storm. You need help. But you, and every time somebody gives you help, you got a counter? See, that's the mind's already, has already set up shop. The, the flesh has already said, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Lockdown, lockdown. So, so even though you, something in you says I need to go get help, everything in you is rejecting the help. <laughs> right? Like you get great wisdom. Yeah, but what about this? What about, and most of, your, most of your counters is like, give me something where I don't have to use faith. <laughs> if you give me something that I can control, then it's help. But if it's something where I got to use faith and believe, nah, we're not doing that. I need, I need to be able to, to, to control this with my mind, right? As opposed to open up, receive, and walking by faith and not by sight. Let's look here uh, at Psalm 27. Actually, my favorite psalm. All right, what is it? The Lord is my light, my salvation, right? Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid, right? It says, when the wicked, even my enemies, right, and my foes came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Storms came at me, but they fell. Though a host should camp against me, my heart shall not, what? Fear. The war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that, I will, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, all the days of my life. See, we talked about that tabernacle, right? And, and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I'm staying open to God. For in a time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. 
in the secret of his tabernacle, remember, to cover us, right? He shall hide me. He shall set me upon a what? A rock. I got a solid foundation like that palm tree. It says, and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy, not panic. I'm coming before the Lord in panic. But it says I'm offering sacrifices of joy. Why are they designing sacrifices of joy? Because everything in my feelings and my mind is telling me it's crazy out here. But I'm sacrificing what my feelings and my mind wants to do, and I'm letting... I'm doing what the Spirit is indeed willing to do. I'm offering joy. Count it all joy. I think that's the next uh, passage we're going to look at, right? It says, I will sing, yeah, I will sing praises unto the Lord. There's a storm. It's crazy. But I'm singing praises unto the Lord. It says, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. He asks for mercy because sometimes the things I'm saying, I'm offering up the negative with what I desire. It says, when thou says, seek my face, my, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help, leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, this is the key, thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path. It says, because of my enemies. Deliver me not over to the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, such as breathe out cruel, cruelty. He's covering every level of storm. He's, right? It says, I, I had fainted. I would have given up, is what that means, unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We ain't talking about heaven. Right? It says, wait on the Lord. Look, look, that's a patient thing. Right? Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Now that word wait is a patience thing, but it's also a servant thing. A waiter is serving you. So, so don't, don't, don't stop engaging in, in your investment in the Lord no matter what the storm, when the storms come. You notice how people are, 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 have a zeal when something is going fine, but all of a sudden they stop serving God when storms come. But they're saying what they value most, the impact of the storm more than the power of God. Right? Uh, James 1. You, you read that sacrifices of joy, didn't you? This is an example right here. Familiar scripture at our church. James chapter 1, verse 2. It says, my brethren, count it all joy. It didn't say it was. It says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, different tests and trials, or times of measurement. Remember, the storm is coming to show you where you really are, right? It says, knowing this, you got to know this, the trying of your faith worketh patience, because you got to be still. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be entire, perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom in these situations, let them ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, if he's asking, nothing wavering, not offering the consideration of the storm, but asking for what God wants to do in the situation. But he that wavers, wavereth, is like a wave of sea driven with the wind and tossed. The person that wavereth is, is caught up in all the considerations of the storm. As opposed to focusing on what God says. See, a lot of times even when we pray, we add all the negative. Why? God is not answering the prayer in contrast to the negative. God is answering the prayer because you have confidence in his word. God don't need the negative. He just needs you to keep in remembrance of his word. He needs you to be praying according to his will. Why use any of your words to bring up what the adversary is doing? Why are you talking to God? You're in a relationship and the person's talking to you about the past relationship. Why are we having a conversation? You know what? No, you know what? You can cook. You cook much better than my other relationship. Who cares? 
I'm not cooking to prove I'm better than the other relationship. I'm cooking because I love you. Who wants to hear about the other relationship? You know what? The fact that you, you took the time to listen to me. Because I remember in the other relationship, they didn't listen to me. Oh, so if they listen to you, we're not together? <laughs> I, 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 my only merit is doing better than them? You think God wants to hear that? Okay, I just thought, just, just a thought. The scripture says the enemy will come at you one way and flee seven. The storms will come at you one way and run from you seven ways. Deuteronomy 28, 7. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. It didn't say it wouldn't be formed. The storm wouldn't be formed. It's saying a storm won't prosper. Because it's trying, the storm ain't just forming. It's trying to take you out. What it's saying is that storm can't take you out. It can only assist you in going to another level. See, that's why the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting out all imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing in, into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. But it says our weapons are not carnal. We don't fight storms in the flesh and in our feelings, right? We stay in the spirit. Don't let nothing pull you out of that. Uh, John 16.33 says, that, that's 2 Corinthians 10.5, I just quoted. John 16.33 says, it says, these things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulations. See, storms are coming. Jesus said it. You're going to have different tests of measurements to see where you are. It says, but be of good cheer. Have sacrifices of joy. Count it all joy. I have overcome the world. There is nothing that comes at you that can do anything with you. Let's look here at 2 Corinthians 4. Again, we're talking about being stormproof. And so, so, so these different storms happen, but some of it is this, this test, are, are you really anchored? Are you really stormproof? You know, uh, we, we, we did a, a marriage uh, retreat in Clearwater. Well, there was hurricanes around that time. Well, Clearwater is, is kind of uh, the west side of Florida, so that's inland. Well, it's not inland. It's still a body of water. Well, it's not on the East Coast. So one of the guys that came is from Miami, you know. Uh, and so, so we were talking to him. He's, and so we were talking to him. Now, if there's a hurricane, that's why the, the university is called the Miami Hurricanes, right? If there's a hurricane... It's hit Miami because Miami is at the bottom of Florida. So the Gulf and the Atlantic Ocean, all, all these waters is, is, is down there at the bottom. So there's more temptation for storms, you know, the, the, the weather. So when that hurricane hit, it, it hit Miami. So he's on the phone. He's like, so, 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 so Mo, what's your situation? Uh, just... Uh, our house is already boarded up. We're going to board up my mom's house, and we'll be right up there. I ain't hear one, I don't know if we come in. Uh, you know, we might come back and not have no house, this, that, and the other. You know why? They, he was, they was used to storms. Some people say, why well, move to Miami? People, there's plenty of people in Miami. <laughs> they just boarded up their house. They made sure that house was stormproof. Before the storm hit, they made sure their house was stormproof. And then they went on about their business. Are we setting ourselves up to be stormproof? So look at this. I, I, I thought about this. I thought this was good. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8. All right, it says this. Um, now, now, now. Yeah, well, well, I'll just read it. It says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. So Paul gives a storm, but how, we, how we're responding or, or whether it is affecting us or not. So we're troubled on every side. That means there's no place to run, yet not distressed. 
We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Then he says, always bearing about the body, always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus and the life also of Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. So what he's saying is, no matter what's happening, I'm crucified with Christ. <laughs> I'm abiding in Christ. So no matter what happens is I'm anchored in the Lord. And I'm always thinking about the death but the resurrection power that not only he has but I have. And I'm thinking about how he handles storms. Peace be still. <laughs> so, I'm, so no matter what comes at me, I got Christ on his side. What can come, no weapon form against me can prosper. If God be for me, what can be against me? That's really saying, like, what can really stop me? Right? I'm stormproof. Uh, if you drop down here to verse 16. You know, it's after he broke down that, um, that, that he was raised, the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also. In verse 14, verse 16, he says, for which cause we faint not, we don't give up. It says, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Then verse 17, it says, it says, for our light affliction is but for a moment in time. It says it worketh for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. <laughs> he, he, says, he says, like, I don't, no matter what happens, <laughs> like, I don't give up. Because my inward man is constantly getting stronger and stronger as I grow in Christ. It says, while we look not on the things that are seen, the storms, how the storm is trying to intimidate us, but at the things which are not seen, our, 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 our anchor or our protection from the storm, even though it's unseen, is there. Remember in 2 Corinthians, 2 Kings 6, when the armies was coming at uh, Gehazi and Elijah, uh, Gehazi, he was focused on the things that you see. Elijah was focused on the things that you can't see. He said, man, fear not. There's more to be with us than be with them. So Gehazi, like people say to men of God all the time, have you lost your mind? Do you see these armies? And he prayed not, he didn't even pray against the army. He prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And when he opened it, when his, when his spiritual eyes opened, he saw chariots, God's spiritual army, covering them. It never said the army took them out because they didn't need to be taken out. Elijah just operated in, he stormproof. He prayed for them to be blind. When they, when they went blind, they panicked. And when they panicked, they asked for help to see. So he said, hey, follow me. <laughs> So he, he, the, the whole, the armies followed him. He, he led them to their enemies and then let the Lord open their eyes. Right. He wasn't worried about the armies coming at him because he knew who was with them. That's why, you know, 1 Corinthians 2 says, my preaching and teaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but was with demonstration of power. So your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Like during the anniversary, we had storms. And the power went out at 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock. I think it was 3 o'clock. We didn't call, hey, everybody, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, ain't nobody, ain't no power. Wait, hey. Everybody showed up, business as usual. <laughs> nobody knew the power was out. Nobody got any text messages. There was more messages sent out. Asking, what are we going to do? Are they, this is a tropical storm, this, that, and the other. Look, that's the wisdom of man. It wasn't a bunch of taxes on the power of God. Some people still didn't leave their house that weekend because it was supposed to be a tropical storm. And, and it was supposed to really hit on Saturday. So that's why some people didn't show up. But guess what? It ain't rain. You understand? And, and we pray. I know I did. Please be still. Right. 
Amen. Good. It's good practice. <laughs> right? You know, all types of stuff was happening. But hey, we wasn't doing nothing for us. We was doing something for the kingdom. Right? See, the storms place a demand on us to stand. And when you stand, it breaks your will, but it releases what's in your spirit. When you panic, you use your will and you suppress the spirit. You see the difference? When you stand, it breaks your will, but it releases the spirit. When you panic, you use your will and you suppress the spirit. You see that? That's why the uh, Second Corinthians 12, said, uh, he said, the storm comes, Paul said, I besought the Lord thrice. You know, lest I should be exalted through the abundance of, uh, of revelation that was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to come at me. Lest I sh should be exalted above, above measure. He said, I besought the Lord thrice. God said, my grace is sufficient. I've given you everything you need already. He said, in your time of weakness, when you get your will out the way, I'm strong. You release the spirit when you decrease. When you increase, you suppress the spirit. That's why John 3, 30 says, I must decrease and he must increase. You know, sometimes we talk too much. Sometimes we're in our head. There's too much noise when we have to be still and know, Right? Scripture says, except a corner wheat fall to the ground and die, it can't bring forth fruit. We got we to decrease, be buried, crucified, so God can release what's in us. What's in the way is, is the outer man, the outer shell. We need that broken open to release the spirit within. I got that from Watchmen, the, um, the release of the spirit. Um, but I, uh, I got this from... Um, a long time ago, I don't know how long, I mean, a couple of years, uh, you know, because Minister Lamar used to be in uh, chemistry and stuff like that. So he was talking about crystallization. And he says uh, the, 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 the process of crystallization is this. You have to be broken down to be built back up. You know, so when they're dealing with different um, um, rocks and different things like that or whatever, crystals, you have to be broken down to be built back up. See, sometimes we have to be broken down so Christ can build up within us, right? Uh, so 2 Corinthians 7.10, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. 2 Corinthians 7.10. 2 Corinthians 7.10. So, so the Amplified, Classic Amplified says this. It says, for godly grief... And the pain God is permitted to direct produce a repentance that leads and contributes to salvation and deliverance from evil. And it never brings regret. But worldly grief, the hopeless sorrow that is characteristic of the pagan world is deadly, breeding and ending in death. So what it's saying is when you go through something in the kingdom, when God allows or he directs these things, it produces, well, number one, repentance that leads to, that leads and contributes to salvation and deliverance from evil. So even though it looks like, see, sometimes we, we're looking at the discomfort, but we don't look at what it's getting to, what it's trying to get to us. We don't realize what it's trying to get to us. You know, you think about David losing his son, right? You know, there, there, was, there was everything... Everything is guiding us into a particular place. Just let it work itself out. Let it work itself out. All right, so I want to hit this in the time that we have. Uh, this might be the only week we talk about this. I'm not sure. Uh, but when you don't know what to do, I'm in a storm. When you don't know what to do, So when we don't want to know what to do, number one, well, not number one, but just to process what, what's happening there. Uh, we've reached God's unknown, and we're leaving the limits of what's been done. 
So we're so 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 a lot of times when we don't want to know what to do. We've reached God's unknown. Now we, we we've finally gotten to the unknown, and we're leaving the limits of what's been done, what what everybody else's does, or what I've already tried, the things that I'm capable of doing. What happens at that point? We're crossing over into the creative realm. When you don't know what to do, that's what happens. I, I'm now I've arrived at uncertainty and unknown. I'm leaving the limits of what's been done. Because what's already been done, that's limited. We're limited to what's already happened. Or James, how you've handled it before, or how daddy did it, or cousin did it, right? But we're crossing over into what you call the creative world. So when you don't know what to do, you, you're t you, it's the opportunity to tap into God, your God design, and that God is a creator, not a perverter. So if we can embrace the challenge, if we recognize it's not, okay, I'm sorry. We can embrace this challenge if we recognize it's not a time to prove ourselves, but to grow ourselves. So, so when we reach this, this, I don't know what to do, it's not a time to prove ourselves. It's a time to grow ourselves, right? Um, to tap into a level of faith and operate like we haven't operated before. So I'm going to give you five things um, to consider when you don't know what to do. Number one, follow God's peace. Follow God's peace. And that's Philippians 4, 7. Peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guide your heart and mind. So a lot of times people in situations, yeah, should I do this, should I do that? Follow the peace of God. If you got a pull, if it's, if it, if it's weight, I wouldn't do nothing. I, I wouldn't move. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I would follow. When, when you're doing what God's will, there's a peace attached to that. Yeah, there's, 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 there's no confusion. There's no weight. There's no stress in God's will. Number two, employ patience. Employ patience. You know, Luke 21, 19 says, uh, through patience you possess your soul. You don't let your mind go all over the place and do what it wants to do. You bring it into captivity, right? Luke twenty-one nineteen, right? And then the other thing is that the 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 verse before Philippians four seven is Philippians four six, right? It says, "Be careful or worry for nothing." As you prayer and supplication, let your request be made known. So, if I'm impatient, I don't I don't need to be full of cares or full of worry. One thing is I'm I'm overly considering things. I have to employ patience, right? Basically, I'm letting it evolve. I have to let, certain things I have to let evolve. Now, I have to watch it because I'm a, uh, at, at the core, I'm a problem solver. So if there's an issue, you know, immediately I want to solve, but sometimes I just got to let, let evolve. Like, I'm just going to stay, just stay out of it. Let it mess up a little while. You know what I'm saying? Number three, make preparation or purpose decisions. Make preparation or purpose decisions. So when I don't know what to do, I got to make sure I'm making a, I'm either going to make a preparation decision or I'm going to make a purpose decision. Not a circumstance or an opportunity decision. It's going to be preparation or purpose. Now, what's, how do I know which one I'm going to be making? So one, it's a preparation decision when I don't know the purpose. I don't know my purpose or I'm not really evolved in purpose. So I got to make a preparation. Is this going to prepare me, equip me for something? It's a purpose decision when I know purpose. Does this line up with what God told me to do? See, I already know what God told me to do. See, you know how when we're, oh, this is great. You know how we're, James, you know how we're in our sober place? Like we're in our sober place, you know, we're, you know, we ain't been compromising or nothing. God tells us something. You might have fast and prayed. God tells us something. Okay, but you know, after God tells you something, sometimes we, we're not as fasting and praying or as diligent. 
So something else can come up that could be an opportunity, right? Or a circumstance can come up. Are you going to play off of what God told you? And normally these bribes or these situations come out right after God told you something. You got to be able to stick with what God told you. All types of things came up when we were supposed to come out here. Do you think it was just like, all right, babe, time to go? No. First of all, the, the, the situation at the church changed, which means our finances changed. Everything changed. But what did God say? Not, not against anybody else. It wasn't about anybody else. It was about what did God say? So we had to make a, we had to play off of purpose. Is this a purpose decision? While I was working for the church, because of the type of person I am, I got all types of offers. I probably never really talk about it because I really didn't care. I, mean, I have business offers, uh, job offers, all types of stuff. No, that's not what God told me to do. One person was like, listen, man, you've been such a blessing in my life. And what I've been afforded, I know can bless your life based on how you are. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assist you in doing what I do so you can make what I'm making. I said, man, what you're doing is phenomenal. That's not what God told me to do. And the person looked at me like, are you crazy? You ain't even making no money. It wasn't about if I was making money. This is what God told me to do. I stuck with making a purpose decision. Opportunity decisions come all the time. Right? But the scripture says, lean not to your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. See, that staying anchor in purpose and in the direction God has is, is, is why we have the opportunity to, to be with this wonderful family. Because there was plenty of, th- first of all, we could have just turned around and went back. We, we even got offers to plant a church where we were, where we already had an audience. But that's not what God told us to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? So no matter what, we're doing what God told us to do. When we first started the church, somebody offered to do a program for the church to draw people to the church. But that's not what God told us to do. It would have took away from us building that foundation. So we didn't do it. See, so, so, so that's, that's why you have to stay anchored. Right? All right, so number four, that was number three, right? So number four, stay in line with God's perfect will. Stay in line with God's perfect will. Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look, that you may prove what is the good, number one, and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, now, 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 we, we, we believe we know that scripture, and some of us do. But when it says be not conformed to this world, a lot of times we go, well, I'm not going to smoke because they don't smoke, I'm not going to drink, they're going to drink, and it does mean that. But it also means don't come into flowing in purpose with God, playing off of the, the, the status, protocol, fads, and the culture of the world. Because sometimes we're moving in God, but the world says something, well, you know, if you do this, you do this, if you do this, and then we say, well, God understands because I'm doing this. It could be to help my family or whatever the case may be. Wait a minute. So obedience to God is not going to help your family? God hadn't considered that. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, so, so stay in line with God's perfect will. There's a narrow way, Matthew 7, 13, not a broad way, right? We already talked about don't walk in the counsel of the godly and stand in the way of sin or sit in the seat of the scornful, right? And uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 1 
It says, but God is taking the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Right? So to stay in line with God's perfect will, it's going to look foolish to the world because you're in line with God's will, not with the world's way. It just doesn't make sense. When I first started working for the church in, 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 in um, Ohio, a family member asked me, how are you going to get paid? <laughs> like, it was like, okay, you was moving in a career, and you're going to work for a church? I was like, what are you doing? Like, are you serious? Then we moved out here. Uh, the pers this person never told me this, but somebody close to them told me. Um, and it was like, what does keep doing? So, so the person was overhearing conversation. So, so it, was, it was family conversation. And so people were sitting around talking, and they were like, so, you know, you just hear uh, Keith come up, you know, this is a young person. And they were like, yeah, they, they thought you was crazy. Like, what is he doing? <sighs> you know, and, and it, it probably looked like I was a fanatic. You know, they're moving to a place with nothing. They don't have no church, no jobs. They're leaving their house. They've worked hard to get to the... I thought they was tripping when they was doing half of the stuff at the church and their faithfulness at the church. Now they took it to a whole nother level. Keith and Melanie, they might have been saying, that Melanie got him. <laughs> Who knows what they was thinking? You know what I'm saying? Like, but, but they've never told me this, and they weren't, they weren't, for lack of a better word, they weren't tripping. They just didn't see what we saw. You know what I'm saying? So they wasn't like trying to be evil. They just was like, it made no sense how you're training the world to do what we did. All right, so this leads us, brings us to number five. Be willing to make tough faith choices. To be willing to make tough faith choices. Remember Abraham had to offer Isaac? You know, Scripture says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, 25, Moses refused the pleasures of sin for a season because he saw something greater. See, if he was conformed to the world, he's still working for Pharaoh. You don't have the Prince of Egypt movie because <laughs> they would have never left, <laughs> right? If he's conformed to the world, listen, the culture of the world, if Moses is in, is in our time, he's been adopted by the, the Gates family, right? He's, he's rolling with one of the Gates' sons, but, but the Gates like him more than anybody else in our time. So he got clout. He could do whatever he wanted to do. He's about to inherit all types of stuff. He, he talks to God and realizes, I'm not supposed to be with the Gates. I'm supposed to be with my people. So I, I you know, I got to lock into that church and grow. Everybody looking at him like, you kidding? Like, you're leaving billions. No, no, he, he, was, he was leaving for greater riches. He said, because I, I can have these pleasures for a season and never be fulfilled. I'm going, I'm going to take fulfillment road. So I may have to go through some storms that's going to test my fortitude and strength. But on the other side of the storms is fulfillment. You see that? You know, we, we get questions a lot because when people hear the specifics of the story, which people keep telling us to put in the book, yes, coming out here was by faith. That's not when it started. It started, uh, well, it started when we came to the church, but, but, but one of the first moves was leaving secular employment and working for the church. I don't know, I, five, six years, seven years, I, I, don't, I don't remember the exact number, but for long, we, we went a long time with no raise. We wasn't making that much anyway. I'm not saying we weren't getting a salary. I'm not saying that. I'm saying compared to what I would have been making in the world, we wasn't making nothing, right? And then my wife starts to work for the church and makes less than me. <laughs> And so we kind of was operating by faith, but we still had 
her jobs where God can channel resources to her. You know, so assistant GM job, and she would get bonuses. Uh, working for the mortgage company, we get bonuses before too big to fail, right? So when she starts working for the church, no, there, there's no, by faith, God could use these channels to throw bonuses. No, you have a stagnant salary, and it's less than what I'm making, and I wasn't there making that money. We prayed about it. We had to, you would think, this is time to work for the church. When, when, when I was asked to work for the church, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's God, babe. We're just going to do God. When she was asked to work for the church, babe, we need to pray about this. <laughs> <laughs> we got yeah, to you know, make sure it really is God, you know what I'm saying? Because, and, and that was the conversation, wasn't it, sweetheart? Like, you know, we both going to be working on, on church salary, right? Yeah. So the bonuses got to come supernaturally from people just trying to be a blessing to us because there ain't no end of the quarter bonus. <laughs> you say what? Hey, that's what's happening now, really. All right, so, th- so that, that, that was the last one, uh, be willing to make faith choices. That's amazing, that's, that's, that's ama- huh? He- he- Hebrews was, uh, the scripture was Hebrews eleven twenty five. 25. Wow. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That was for number three. All right, so, so that's all we have for in, in terms of being stormproof. Uh, any thoughts, insights, um, questions? <laughs>